Welcome to Mariner's Church Online. This is going to be an incredible weekend. We have Phil Wickham with us, helping us lead worship, and we're gonna celebrate all of the great things that you have been a part of since COVID-19 began. We are seeing the Lord do an incredible work through His church. Mariner's family, it was a few short weeks ago that we got to report the enormous impact that you've been making through the food pantry located on our Irvine and HB congregations. And I'm so proud and I'm so stoked to say that we've recently just, just distributed 445 tons wow. of food, yeah. which has Woo. contributed to more than a million meals, yes. which is awesome. Those meals have gone towards uh, low-income families, foster group homes, people experiencing homelessness, uh, single parents, elderly community, and our refugee community. Mariner Church, I'm so proud of you. Um, you're doing some great stuff in the city too. Come on. Awesome. Mariner's family, you have served our cities well. We have delivered meals, we have prayed, and we have provided childcare and additional support to healthcare workers, first responders, essential workers, and educators. You have taken steps into serving, bringing hope to those who are in need, good. reminding them that we care and we love them. Thank you so much for doing that. Good job, man. Mariners, you are a generous people. That's right. And the hallmark of generous people is that they're consistently generous. Yeah. Through your generosity, we've been able to distribute over half a million dollars great. to support our local and global communities. Thank you. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You've been able to provide for support food pantries You've been able to provide equipment to help transition communities into online learning. You've been able to stand with single moms and veterans who are experiencing homelessness by giving them temporary shelter. Yeah. Thank you. Across the world, our partners in China, in Germany, in India, in Mexico, Sri Lanka, Haiti, and the Congo want to say thank you. You are generous people, and I bless you with the words from Hebrews 6, 10, that God is not unjust to forget the labor of love that you have shown to his kids here locally and globally, Amen. and as you continue to do so. May God bless you. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So welcome to Mariner's Church Online, whether you're watching with a group hosted at a, at a home, or if you're from our HB congregation or our Irvine congregation, or maybe you're watching by yourself Welcome to Mariner's Church. Let's stand, let's worship, and let's remember that all of the great things that we see happening are because of the Lord, because of His gracious work in our lives. Let's celebrate together. Bow at his feet 
You know, I was just thinking how our songs, our worship, the hallelujahs that we raise up to God are that much more amplified, that much more resounding when our lives reflect the very goodness and greatness of God that we are declaring together. You know, as God's kids, we have been given so much. And you've heard it said, freely we've received, 
and freely we will give. You're about to watch the story of Adriana, and this is her story, that in the midst of both blessing and need, she was able to serve and to be served. And this is the story that God invites each of us into, where God is the initiator of love and generosity, and our job, our response is to just imitate him. So take a look at this together. Mi nombre es Adriana Enríquez. Uh, tengo tres hijos. Eh, se llama Edgar, Mario y Aileen. Tengo varios años de, de ser voluntaria o, o estar aquí en, en este centro. No, pues desde que Edgar estaba chiquito. Eh, estaba, yo creo que estaba como en el cuarto, tercero, cuarto grado, cuando empezamos Empecé a llevarlo porque tenía, necesitaba ayuda con las tareas. Eso es lo que me, me hizo meterme de voluntaria al centro de Mini Street. A mí me ha ayudado mucho a crecer uh, personalmente porque yo me sentía una mujer vacía. Me sentía que, que mi vida no tenía sentido. Tenía problemas familiares y estar involucrada en este centro y con estas personas me ha ayudado mucho. Ah, me han ayudado con despensas. Ah, que tengo tres niños chiquitos. Me han ayudado muchísimo. Me, me llenaron la casa de cosas personales para ellos, pero yo les agradezco toda la ayuda que me han dado porque es algo que no me esperaba. Cuando nos hablan para hacer el, el voluntariado, eh, para ayudar ahí en el centro, para eso estamos, para ayudarnos unos con otros, uh, siempre tratamos de estar unidas y decir, vamos a hacer esto, vamos a, a que hoy se va a hacer una que alguien está enfermo y vamos a juntarnos para cooperar para todos y de, o sea cooperar en el sentido de repartir las cosas o hacer algo para para la persona que, que tiene algún problema de corazón se, se, se les da porque yo tuve necesidad y yo creo que hay, hay que dar lo, lo poquito o lo mucho que se le tenga pero darlo de corazón ahorita que está esta del COVID-19 nos, nos juntamos un grupo para repartir comida para las personas necesitadas que se quedaron sin trabajo. Tienen ayuda para los niños, para las mamás, que, que algunas, es, algunas que tuvieron sus bebés y, de, y no tienen la posibilidad de seguir trabajando de, de, de estar, les están ayudando con, con leche, con pampers, con... Cualquier ayuda que necesitemos esto, están ahí para ayudarnos los del centro de, de MINI. Pues yo digo que para eso, so, eso somos, un equipo que, para ayudar a la comunidad y estar unidos en esta epidemia que está pasando. Yo no me siento la mujer tan vacía. Hay veces que sí me caigo, pero me levanto porque yo sé que Dios está conmigo, que Él me acompaña y siempre 
le pido a él que me dé las fuerzas para salir adelante. A mí me gusta mucho ser voluntaria y ayudar a, lo, a los demás.
Let's pray together. Jesus, we pour out praise to you. The breath that we breathe this moment is from you. It's a gift from you. Every second we have is a gift from you. And we want to pour out our worship to you, to only you, because only you are worthy. Only you have rescued us. Only you can quench the deepest longings of our soul, only you. And so we pour out our worship and our praise to you. Thanks for letting us study your scripture, Lord. This is an honor. I know that um, we miss being able to gather together physically, um, but we can hold your scripture and we can gather in this way during this time and we can, we can still look at your word. And so take your word, Lord, please take your word these next couple of moments um, and, and use it to, to drive your grace and your truth deep into our lives. In your name I pray, amen. So glad that you are with us this weekend. There is a restaurant in the Ir Irvine Spectrum that my wife and I love to go to. It's a Cuban restaurant, and because we spent eight years in Miami, um, we still deeply desire Cuban food pretty frequently. And so after living in Miami, you're not going to get over Cuban food, and so you still crave it and long for it. And so there's this restaurant in the Spectrum that we go to, and after dinner, we usually will walk around um, and look at different stores. Well, actually, Kay enjoys going into different stores, and I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I will go into Barnes & Noble, and she'll spend time looking. I don't even know where she goes, and, and I uh, hang out in Barnes & Noble and just look at, look at books. <laughs> That's what I do. I look at books. And a couple of uh, weeks ago, I picked up this book. The marketing copy of the book just hooked me. It was, it's written by a Pulitzer Prize winner named Gene Weingarten, and the book's called One Day. And the story of the book is really kind of fascinating. Weingarten and a friend were at dinner, and they had talked about this before, that perhaps Gene should write a book on just one random day in history and just deep dive into that one random day and see what happened in humanity, what happened in people's lives in one day. So they're at this restaurant and they decide that Gene's gonna write a book about one day. And he doesn't even care what day it is. So they have three different hats and they take pieces of paper and they put it in those three different hats. And the first hat had uh, a range of different years. The second hat had uh, 12 numbers for the 12 months. And the third hat had uh, 30 numbers for different days. And so they went to a family sitting next to them at this restaurant and one kid in the family chose the year. The year is gonna be 1986. And then another kid in the family chose another number and it was the number 12 for December. And so now it's just left to a day and they ask the server who comes to the table to pick the last number out of a hat and the number 28 was chosen. So. Gene Weingarten wrote a book about December 28th, 1986, and it's called One Day. And so he spent all of this time evaluating and analyzing and researching what happened in this one day in history. So the marketing copy kind of grabbed my attention because I thought, wow, that's fascinating. What really is the human experience in one day? And what I found in this book is it's really, it's a tragic book to read because you realize a day, like if you Google December 28th, 1986, 
Um, it's not a, a day that's really known for a lot of things, but it's a day for many people that's a day filled with pain. As you read the stories, you realize that every single day is a day that for some people is filled with great pain. Sure, there's good things that happen on December 28th, 1986, but when you read the stories in the book, you realize that every single day in the human experience is filled with, for someone, somewhere, senses of abandonment and loss and of deep, deep pain. And so on every single day in the human experience, there's these painful stories, stories of a doctor's prognosis and all of a sudden someone feels completely hopeless. Stories of abandonment when a spouse walks out or a friend walks out on a relationship. Stories of uncertainty when everything in life seems to change in one day. And in those moments, we can sometimes struggle. God, do you not see this moment I'm in, this sense of abandonment, this sense of deep pain and deep loss? God, where are you? For the last five weeks, we've been asking some of those really challenging questions as we're still studying different psalms in the Bible. And I love that these psalms are in the Bible because it shows us that God doesn't uh, disregard us in our pain, that he knows exactly the painful moments we find ourselves in, and that the Bible is really raw and honest, and it's not chlorinated. It doesn't try to hide us from the pain of this world, but actually shows us that in the midst of the pain, God is there, and he does see, and he is present. And so we're going to finish this series this weekend looking at another one of the tough questions which in moments like a December 28th, 1986, and maybe for you, it's not that day, it's another day that still marks you, a day with a lot of pain, a day of feeling overwhelmed, a day of abandonment. And maybe you felt like the psalmist felt in Psalm 22, and this is the tough question that we're going to ask. Verse one, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? That word groaning, you, you probably have experienced this at some point in life because life is painful at times. That is not just, I came home from the day and the day was disappointing and I had a bad day. Now this is deep pain, deep groaning. This isn't um, just a sense of disappointment because I missed the, the quarterly sales goal and, and I'm disappointed. Um, no, no, this is much more than that. My God, my God, it feels like you've abandoned me and you're, you're far away from this groaning, this anguish that I'm in, the kind of groaning where I can't sleep at night. I'm waking up in the middle of the night with these jolts of groaning, of deep pain, and God, where are you? My, my appetite has been taken. My sleep has been taken. Lord, where are you? This psalm is in the Bible. My God, my God, why does it feel like you've abandoned me? Here's what we're gonna see in this psalm. Bible scholars actually call this psalm the psalm of the cross, Psalm 22. 
And why is it called the Psalm of the Cross? There's really two different schools of thinking about Psalm 22. Some people believe that David had a moment, David who wrote this, had a moment where he felt abandoned. And David's writing about a real experience where he felt that deep groaning. And it really, though, points to somebody else. It points to Jesus on the cross, the Psalm of the Cross. We're going to see how Psalm 22 is what Jesus prayed while he was on the cross. So some people believe, hey, David had this experience, but it really points to another experience. It points to Jesus. And then there's other Bible scholars and theologians that say, nah, David never even had this. There's no historical moment in David's life that felt quite this dark. This is a psalm not about David at all, but was only a prophetic psalm pointing us to Jesus. This is the psalm of the cross because on the cross, Jesus prayed this prayer. And why did Jesus pray this? We're gonna see as we look at Psalm 22 that on the cross, as Jesus takes our sin upon himself, he feels completely abandoned, abandoned by people who have left him. But that's not the deepest pain. The deepest pain isn't, my friends, my friends, why have you left me while I'm on the cross? The deepest pain is in the moment as Jesus is taking our sin upon himself, he actually cries out, my God, my God, why have you in this moment, in the worst moment of my life, why have you abandoned me? And what we're gonna see in this Psalm is that Jesus felt the sting and the weight of abandonment so that you, if you are a son or daughter of God, will never have to ask that, will never have to feel that because you're never going to be abandoned because Jesus was abandoned for you. You're never going to be given up by God because Jesus was given up for you so that you would be forever his son and his daughter. And we're gonna look at this in Psalm 22. Now, if you're curious about the Christian faith or um, you're just checking us out online this weekend and, and not sure what it means to be a Christian. And, and even if this is real, this psalm is fascinating for you to, to study. And I invite you to study it with us because this is a psalm that those of us who are Christians actually point to to say, wow, this really is one of the psalms that proves the validity of the Christian faith. And this is why. Because Psalm 22 was written before crucifixion was even invented. And so this is what we're, we're, we're believing, that the prophecy of Jesus coming, the announcement of Jesus coming to this earth for us, to die on the cross for us, was given long before it happened. In fact, long before even crucifixion was invented as a means of torture and as a means of death. That Psalm 22, and you're going to see this in vivid detail, describes what Jesus went through for us. So I want to show you some of the verses from Psalm 22, and I want you to see how it matches up to what Jesus experienced on the cross. So Psalm 22, later in the psalm, the psalmist says, Dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and feet. So David's writing this down, and he doesn't even realize, he hasn't even seen or heard of crucifixion, but my hands and my feet are pierced. Now look at Matthew 27. This is about Jesus, verse 31. After they had mocked him, they stripped him, Jesus, of the robe, put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. So hang with me. This is written, Psalm 22. It's in the Old Testament. So it's written, written before Jesus comes. The 
Book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, and it's written about the life of Jesus. So before Jesus comes to this earth, this is written, and then Jesus comes to this earth, and he has this exact experience. Okay, look at another verse in Psalm 22, verse 18. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. Now look at Matthew 27. After crucifying Jesus, they divide his clothes by casting lots. There's the prophecy that there's gonna be people at the foot of the cross who are actually rolling dice to gamble for the clothes of Jesus, and that happened. Matthew, uh, sorry, Psalm 22, next verse, verse, tw- verse seven. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads. Matthew 27, as Jesus is on the cross, Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads, shaking their heads. Jesus, as he's on the cross, bearing the uh, verbal abuse and the physical humiliation, in that moment, he could have ceased it all and stopped it all. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's submitting himself to that moment. Why? Because he wants you to become his son and his daughter, because he's loving you and giving himself for you. He's experiencing this. Next verse, Psalm 22, verse 15. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. So the psalmist is describing this sense of complete thirst. And in the gospel of John, as Jesus is on the cross, he yells out, I am thirsty. And now look at this verse. Verse eight, Psalm 22, he relies on the Lord. They're they're saying this about the psalmist. They're, They're poking fun at him and mocking him. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. And notice what is said of Jesus as he's on the cross. Matthew 27, verse 43. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the son of God. Jesus is in that moment he could have called, according to the gospels, legions of of angels to come and rescue him, but he absorbs all of the pain so he could bring us into a relationship with God. Psalm 22, verse one, back to the beginning. My God, my God, why, why have you abandoned me? Now look at Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27. After three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus on the cross yells out Psalm 22. This is why it is known as the Psalm of the cross. It points to what Jesus did for us. He was abandoned so you would never have to be abandoned so you could become his forever child. He was forsaken so you would be forgiven. He was abused so you would be adopted. He absorbed all of that in his flesh for you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now now notice this in both Psalm 22 and Matthew 27. Do you remember in the gospels how Jesus instructed us to pray? Do you remember what he said? Pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, In fact, when you read the Gospels, every time you see Jesus interacting with the Father, every time you see Jesus, who is God the Son, 
interacting with God the Father every time Jesus is calling him Father, Dad. They have this close, close relationship. There's one moment where Jesus doesn't refer to the Father as Father, and it's this moment right here. This is the only moment where he doesn't call him Abba, Father, Dad. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? When Jesus came up out of the water, a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father said, that is my son and who I am well pleased, but not in this moment, not when Jesus is on the cross for us. Because in this moment, he isn't in this close communing relationship with the Father. He yells out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there is no voice from heaven saying, that is my son and who I am well pleased. There is nothing but silence as Jesus dies and breathes his last on the cross for us to have everlasting life with him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And he wasn't asking because he was looking for an answer. He was asking because he was in complete agony and complete pain, absorbing in his flesh all of the sins of humanity, absorbing in his mind the feeling of being abandoned by all of his disciples, but one, there's only one disciple, a disciple named John, who is right there at the foot of the cross. But all of that pain, all of that pain was less than this pain. The physical pain, the emotional pain of being left by friends, all of that was less than the spiritual pain and the weight of God the Father in that moment abandoning the Son. And why did he abandon the Son? Why did Jesus feel the weight of this? Some have said this, some theologians have said, the pain beneath him of being abandoned by humanity was nothing compared to the pain above him by being abandoned in that moment by the Father. And why was Jesus in that moment abandoned? What is this verse all about? What does this mean? This is what we believe the scripture teaches that on the cross, when Jesus goes there and he places himself on the cross, all of our sin is put on him. I mean, all of my foolishness and selfishness, all of the things I've done that violate the character and the nature of God, all of that is put on Jesus. And because Jesus absorbs all of our sin to forgive us, in that moment, God the Father and God the Son don't enjoy the close relationship they had because God the Father, holy and pure, and in that moment, Jesus becomes all of our sin and Jesus feels the weight of being abandoned. You know, anytime there's forgiveness, even in a human relationship, when one person forgives another person, the person who forgives the other person has to bear some pain and some weight and release to forgive. And as Jesus is on the cross, he's bearing all of our sin. And as he's bearing our shame, our guilt, our foolishness, he feels the weight of the Holy Father saying in that moment, you've become sin and I've abandoned you. What does this mean for us? Well, because Jesus was abandoned, we can be adopted and become his son, become his daughter. Jesus did not 
save us from a distance. Jesus stepped into our suffering and experienced all of the pain of this broken and fallen world. Jesus, if you are experiencing suffering in this moment, Jesus suffers with you. He steps into your pain. He's not an over there far away from you, God. He steps into the pain and the struggle that you have. But even more than that, Jesus took on himself all of our struggle and all of our shame and all of our sin so that we could receive all of his forgiveness. So in this moment, Jesus feels the weight of being abandoned so you will never have to be abandoned. Jesus was forsaken so you would be adopted. Jesus became our sin on the cross so you would receive his forgiveness and forever belong to him. And so Psalm 22, that deep question, why have you abandoned me? God takes that question and Jesus repeats it on the cross to show us he's never going to abandon us because Jesus was abandoned in that moment for us. And this truth should change everything about us. It should change how we view the world. It should change how we view other people. It should change how we view people in their pain because we have a God who ran to us in the middle of our pain, who rescued us in the middle of our sinfulness. We have a God who is willing to give up the son Jesus for us to have everlasting life. This should change everything about us. Several years ago when my youngest daughter, Evie, was six, six going on seven. I was the coach for the girls' soccer team. And they need, we signed up late, and they said the only way that uh, she can be uh, on the team is if you coach a team. And so I decided that I would be the coach, and it was awesome. We, we were called the Soccer Rockers, all right? This, was, uh, this is me. Uh, Kay thought I took it way too serious. I mean, they're like six and seven years old, and I get one of those whiteboards, and I'm drawing up plays. And then this is us. You know, you have to be sure they shake hands at the end. We had cheers and everything. It was, it was glorious. We won every game but one. And some games we like dominated. I mean, it was really serious for me with these six and seven-year-old girls. And one of the most fun games that we had was actually the game I think that the kids had the best time was a game that the other team forfeited because they didn't have enough players. And so when this other team forfeited, um, the, the, the ref called us up to the center and said, hey, it's, 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 it's over. Um, the soccer rockers, I'm, I'm noting this as a victory. You have won the game, but do you want to get the kids to play? And so after confirming for sure that we had won the game, I said, okay, I'll give some of my players to, to this, this guy's team, and then we can just have fun. We can just play a game, but I want to be sure we've won, right? Yes, sir, you've won the game. Okay, you can have some of my players. And then we, we played. We played a game, and it was completely just for fun. The outcome had already been established. We had already won. We weren't playing for victory. We were playing from victory. Huge difference, right? We weren't playing as if we had to earn to win the game. We had already won the game. Do you understand that when Jesus died on the cross for you and when you receive him as your Savior and Lord, that the game has already been won, that you now stand right before God, forgiven before God. And so now we live not trying to earn victory. We don't live for victory, but we live from victory. 
because Jesus has conquered our sin for us on the cross. And this should change everything about us. So why, why are we talking about this today? In the same time, we're talking about all the great things that are happening through our church in serving the community. This is why. Because in a season when people are feeling abandoned, you know, this is a very tough season. There, there could be a whole lot of books written about every single day right now in our modern history. You know, this book was written about one day, December 28th, 1986, and it's filled with lots of pain. Every single moment, it seems, in this time we're living in is filled with lots of pain. And we have a Savior who ran to us in our pain. And the more our hearts are overwhelmed with that he was willing to be abandoned for us, to step into our pain, the more our hearts are overwhelmed with that reality, we step into the pain of others. I mean, this is true for me. The times that I have been um, neglecting of other people's pains or um, dismissive of the pain of others, those are the times when my heart has not been overwhelmed with the mercy of Jesus towards me. But when my heart is filled with, wow, Jesus on the cross was willing to be abandoned for me. When my heart is overwhelmed with that truth, then I want to run to others in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their pain. We serve others because Jesus has served us. We are generous to others because Jesus has been generous to us. That's who we are as people of God. When we remember that Jesus was willing to experience that pain for us, then we wanna step in and serve others in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their pain. And if we neglect the pain of others, it shows that our hearts have gotten hardened and we can read Psalm 22 and Matthew 27 and think Jesus on the cross is not that big of a deal to us. But when we remember all Jesus did for us and it grabs our attention and it grabs our affection, there is no way that we can look at the pain of others and not want to step in and serve others. And Mariner's Church, I am so proud of how you during this season have been serving people in the middle of the pain and the struggle that they have found themselves in, the pain of the moment in which we are in now. COVID-19 has multiplied pain for people, hasn't it? I mean, whatever frustration you've had with life, it's just multiplied. Whatever level of anger you've had or anxiety you've had or stress you've had, it's just multiplied. But that's true also for people who are wrestling with real issues in life of homelessness and poverty, of feeling abandoned. It's multiplied in this moment. And so our church, you heard some of the stats at the beginning, we've stepped in to care for people who are wrestling with the fallout of COVID-19. So you heard that we just crossed a million meals that have been served from our church because of your generosity. That's the stat, but let me give you some stories. We had one woman from our church who went to serve meals that we served to the refugee community, and she was overwhelmed with God's grace being distributed to other people, people who were very different from her, and it showed her a bigger picture of God's love and grace for all people. We have a healthcare worker in our church who felt abandoned in this season because of the stigma around him being around 
patience with COVID-19 and his family. Um, basically, he felt abandoned by his own family in this time. And your church provided free childcare for the healthcare workers. And so he was able to drop off his child at your church each day and feel the support and the encouragement and the love from his church in the middle of feeling abandoned. Through our global partners, you heard Christian um, give the staggering number earlier, but here's, here's just one story. In our partnership in the Congo, we work with a school called Africa New Day, and through our partnership there, we have been able to serve 60 faculty and 38 students who we already scholarship with two months of housing and two months of meals because of your generosity. We at the Irvine congregation have been able to provide graduations for students who are um, finishing eighth grade or finishing their senior year in high school. And one of the graduations that we sponsored was 60 students graduating from OC Rescue Mission, students who have wrestled with homelessness, and your church was a part of providing a graduation experience for them. Church, we wanna be the people we must be the people who runs towards the brokenhearted because Christ has run towards us. We must be the people who, when we see pain, we step into places of pain because Christ endured pain for us. We must be the people who are so overwhelmed with the goodness and the grace of Jesus given over to us that we want them to know you are not forgotten, you are not abandoned. You may feel forgotten and you may feel abandoned, but because of our gracious and loving God, you are not abandoned. You are not. Jesus was abandoned, so you would never have to be abandoned. That's the glorious message that we carry. And may we, church, in a time like COVID-19, be the people, let's keep being the people who steps up and helps people understand that their good and gracious God has not forgotten them and has not abandoned them. So we're gonna take a special offering today. So I wanna give you a heads up to go ahead and grab your phone. Usually we do this here physically and um, you know I'm able to, give you a moment to get, to get some money ready and you can then, then a bucket passes. And we, you know, we normally don't pass plates or buckets at Mariner's Church. We have like an offering box in the back, but on these weekends we do, we take a special offering for outreach. And we're gonna do that digitally today. So I want you to grab your phone. No, I'm serious. Like you're looking at me right now at the TV, like I'm for real, like grab your phone. Tell the person next to you, if you're Mariner's host at home, Hey, bro, grab your phone. Like, for real, grab your phone. Everybody got it? Please grab your phone. You don't even have to use it. Just grab it. Like, just at least go there with me. Everybody, grab your phone. I want to tell you um, what you're giving to Outreach today is going to do. And we're going to have the number on the screen. You're just going to text Outreach to this number whenever you're ready. But let me share with you what we're going to try to accomplish in just one offering today. Every cent is going to go towards our COVID-19 response. And our goal is to collect $500,000 this weekend for our COVID-19 response. And here's what it's gonna to go to. $250,000 of that will go towards our food pantry because over the next several months, we wanna continue doing what we are doing and meeting food insecurity needs, stepping into all of those relationships that we currently have from foster community to refugee community 
to um, people in, in poverty, to people who we want to step in and serve during this season. So 250 of the 500,000 is going to go there. 150,000 we are going to designate to our global partners. And as you know, COVID-19 is not just a problem here. It's a pandemic. It's a global pandemic. And we want to continue serving our global partners around the world. And so 150,000 of the 500 is going to go there. And then we've earmarked 100,000 more for us to continue to serve the essential workers in the 34 cities in Orange County. And so all 500,000, that's our hope to collect through this special offering. All of it's going to go towards our COVID-19 response. All right, so you got your phone, you see the number, text the number, you'll get a link back, and you're going to get an opportunity to give. And I invite you to give. Why? Because Jesus gave everything for you. He gave his life for you. He was willing to go through the pain of feeling abandoned for you. So listen, you may feel abandoned at times, but you're never, you're never abandoned. He's forever with you. The father gave up the son so he would never have to give you up. You forever belong to him. And when that gets down deep into our hearts, it changes everything about us because we're no longer living a life to fight for victory. We've already won. We've already won. And we now live from victory. In fact, that's how Psalm 22 ends. I want you to see how Psalm 22 ends. The last verse of Psalm 22 is this. You saw verse one, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it, it begins with despair of abandonment and it ends this way. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. So this is why we know for sure Psalm 22 is not only about David, it's definitely also about Jesus, if not only about Jesus. Because they, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. That was us. They will declare what he has done. Some say that the original language in the Hebrew there could be translated, they will declare it is finished. They will declare it is finished. What does that mean? On the cross, Jesus yells out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But also Jesus yells out this on the cross in John 19, verse 30. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. The battle is over. You don't have to live to try and earn God's love. It is finished. God's love's already been given to you. You don't have to try and fight for God's approval. It is finished. God's approval has been given to you because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. It is finished. You don't have to play the sacrifice game with God where you're sacrificing something to him. It is finished. Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus is our living hope. It is finished. Let's celebrate that truth as we sing together.
He is alive. He is our living hope. Because after he breathed his last on the cross and yelled out, it is finished, he was buried. And on the third day, he walked out of that tomb. And Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. What a great truth for us to remember as we start our new week. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you as we close out our service. But I want to let you know what is coming in um, one week. We're going to launch what's called Church in the Neighborhood, Mariners in the Neighborhood. So as you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and churches just like ours are wrestling with when are we gonna have gatherings again and um, how can we do that in a safe way? And when, um, when are we going to, when is that gonna take place? When are we gonna gather together again? And so we have Mariners Online, which you're a part of now. We, we, we started doing that right away. And then we knew at some point we would have Mariners hosted at home, which we're having now. So many groups are meeting together and watching the service together. And if your group is, so glad you're a part. And then now we're gonna move into what, what we're calling our, our third phase, our third play, which is Mariners in the Neighborhood. And I'm so excited about this. Uh, there's different places we're going to be starting next weekend on Sunday, July 5th. Uh, there are going to be gatherings that are safe, limited to 100 people. You have to register online ahead of time, take a, get a reservation beforehand. It's going to be spacious, and uh, we're going to do physical distancing in these environments. So Santa Ana at the Doubletree Hotel starts next weekend. Uh, Keith Hill and Gloria Bashara are going to be leading that. And so excited. I love these two. Uh, Costa Mesa, we're going to be launching there at the Harper with uh, Dallas and Kirby. And that, that is going to be just an amazing venue as we're going to have Mariners in the neighborhood there. In Tustin, um, Jorge's got um, a half-inch vertical leap, but I'm real excited about Tustin. Uh, Jorge's going to be working alongside Brian Lamb and we're gonna have Church in the Neighborhood in Tustin, North Irvine. Uh, we have Paul Hahn and Steve Bang Lee, and they're gonna be meeting at the Dreams of America starting next weekend. Laguna Hills at the Hills Hotel with Jordan McNeff and Tim Garrett. Super excited about this venue. And then Anaheim, uh, this might be the coolest venue. Uh, we're gonna be at the House of Blues, and uh, John Thomas and Cree Vang are gonna be hosting uh, Mariners in the Neighborhood at the House of Blues. And then, um, Huntington Beach. As you know, we already have a Huntington Beach congregation, but we're going to also treat it as a neighborhood gathering and have three services there um, that people watch together. It doesn't have live music. None of these have live music. They're um, gatherings of 100 people. And I know some of you are like, why isn't it live? I'm, I'm just going to be straight up. Like just in this room, there's like 25 people to put on a service. And so if we did all of our production for live music and everything live there, it would reduce the number of people who could come. And so we are going to be streaming the services at, at our service times in all of these places, including Huntington Beach. And for any of these, you have to reserve ahead of time online. And some of you are saying, yeah, but what about Irvine? Why are we not using our Irvine facility? We actually are. On that weekend, July 5th, we're going to have rooted groups that are going to be able to watch the service together. And so if you haven't been through rooted, we have a Thursday option. But we also have a Sunday option. I invite you to come through Rooted and you'll be able to watch the service together with your Rooted group and then go through the Rooted study, the 10-week study that will help you find your purpose with God, help you walk with Him more closely. But that starts next weekend as well. But maybe you're like, Eric, I've been through Rooted and I just want to come back to Irvine and I'm not in a group now. Come on, we'll get you in a, in a Rooted. I've already been through Rooted. Come on, we'll get you in a Rooted group. It will be good 
He'll be in community. We're going to do everything we can uh, to help you be in community during this time. And then, as you know, our fourth play, which we look forward to calling in the future, we're learning a lot during these other times, is when we will have gatherings again at our congregations. But we're going to learn a lot during this third play, Mariners in the Neighborhood. And so I'm excited. Thank you, church, for your generosity, for us to be able to be in those um, seven different neighborhoods as we share the good news of Jesus. It's really because of your giving and generosity, and I'm so thankful. Well, let's end our service by me praying a prayer of blessing over you. And I'm going to pray for this new week in your life that you will sense that you are never going to be abandoned by this great God. Will you open your hands now? Father, I can approach you and call you Father because in the cross, Jesus in that moment could only say, my God, my God. But we come to you now as our dad, as Father. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters with their hands extended before you, that they will sense this week your presence, that they will know how far and wide the love of Christ for them is, that in moments where they sense or they feel or they wrestle with being abandoned, that you will remind them that you will never leave them or forsake them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a great week.